you to stand as we're about to read scripture. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. My hope is by the time we're done with this chapter, you would have memorized it. It's, it's literally just 13 verses. You know how you can memorize all those songs? I'm not good tripping. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, um, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13. And we've been on this chapter for a while. Here's the word of the Lord. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a nosy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, literally, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. For love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. And it is not irritable or resentful. Let us pray. Jesus, teach us your ways. Teach us your word. And when we hear you, may we not harden our hearts. May we listen and respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take your seats. Life is a lot of things. And as I'm starting this conversation, I'm going to talk a little bit more around resentment, how love is not resentful. And I want you to start thinking as you are hearing the message this morning, I want you to start thinking about not if you are resentful, But I want you to recognize if you are right now carrying any resentment towards anyone or anything. Because life will throw you people and seasons that you just can't can. You know what I mean? You, you literally can't can. And that's not really English, but it works. And I, like, I just can't can. I cannot do this. I can't. And as you, you're leaving, you meet people that you're like, man, I just can't can. Now, for a lot of us, are like, what, what in the world is, what are you even talking about? I've been in moments where someone has done something really hurtful and stupid that I just can't. In a lot of ways, I've been the one that has done that to people. Because sometimes it's easy for us to think as someone has hurt me. But I've been in moments where other people cannot can with me. They just cannot move beyond what I've done. And life will throw that to you. Life will throw you people. Life will throw you workmates. Life will throw you so much. 
that when you think about, you don't see how you got there and why you are there. To the point that I want to make sure that we all understand that we were never at a place at home that, you know what, we designed our plan to be people that are resentful. We never made a life plan on when we were going to be bitter. But life through pain, frustration, anger, impossible people, and we go to a place where we all just say, I can't. I cannot do this. Now, when you read the Bible, the Bible does not say you're not going to have that. The Bible invites us to live beyond the moments where we feel like, I'm really discouraged. I just want them to be hit. I just want to retaliate. I don't want to feel weak. I don't want to be in this place. Now, if we're talking about being resentful, what we're talking about is being in places where we are bitter or we're angry because of what other people have done. And for a lot of us, we got to be angry because of love. I want to explain that. Someone we love was hurt. Was hurt by someone that we now call an idiot. So we have gotten angry because someone we love has gotten what? Hurt. So to an extent, the resentment we have carried with the immigration system in Malawi, hallelujah. To an extent, we're just like, man, I love this country. I want to be here. I want to serve here. But the system just makes life complicated. That to an extent, you can trace a level of our love to something a level of our resentment to something that we have loved, to someone we have loved. A lot of us are carrying resentment because of injustice. Someone did or didn't do something, so we got angry. They promised us they were going to show up and they were going to do something, and they didn't. Daddy said he was going to do it. He didn't do it. My brother said he was going to do it. And he did not do it. So by the end of the day, we've carried a resentment because we feel like someone owes us something. And because they owe us something, we don't know how to react when that something is not given to us. So our natural human response is to be angry. I want you to think the moments you've been angry this week. You felt a level of injustice. Someone has done something wrong to you. Someone has stepped on your toe. Someone was supposed to give you something like respect. And they did not do it. Someone was supposed to pay you back your money. And they did not do it. Someone was supposed to meet you somewhere. And they did not show up. Someone, someone said, there's a level of injustice every time we feel like we are justified to be angry. So this is what happens. I don't know about you. When I feel like there's a level of injustice, my brain makes up punishment. I make up punishment towards the people that have hurt me or given me a level of injustice. So it's, it's in my brain. I see them. 
have a list of penalties that they will have to go through. And sometimes, you know what's sad? Some of those things are just made up in my mind. Like they've hurt me, but I've added in other things. Because I'm thinking so much about how much they have hurt me with that one thing. So the only thing they did was they did not show up. But my brain is like, they did not show up because they don't like me. They don't trust me. Actually, they don't care. So I'm adding a list of the reasons why they haven't showed up. Resentment. We make up punishment. And that loop plays in our heads. And some of you, the reason why you are angry with mom, with dad, with husband, with wife, is because you've played that pain. That loop keeps going. So much that you don't even see them as human. All you are seeing is the pain they caused you. So I'm going to ask again. Where you're carrying resentment, why is that resentment there? Is it there because it's a real thing? Or is it there because you have made it up over time and it sounds true? Now, the other thing happens, I don't know about you, but then I get a little bit ashamed. Why am I angry? There's a level of self-pity that I end up carrying for being angry because I feel like, man, there are worse things in this world. Why should I be mad at that person for this? But I'm going to say that again. You never made a plan that you were going to be angry. But life has put you in places that you're carrying a bitterness that sometimes you don't know what to do. To the extent of the only thing you know what to do with is the bitterness. You know how to keep it so that you feel like you're sustained and you're inspired and that you guard and create boundaries so that you can keep yourself from getting hurt again. Resentment. To an extent as well, to put it in our everyday language, resentment comes in when we feel like something that was done for us, to us, is unfair, is not just fair. And I want to recognize that a lot of us, we're not only carrying resentment in our families with our parents, towards our siblings, we're carrying a resentment towards God. Because something so complicated happened, even after we prayed, even after we fasted, even after we gave, but God still didn't do it. That is so unfair. So I'm still going to cover my bases. I'm not going to throw away my faith. But it's just so fair that God, I don't really trust you. I don't know if I can trust you in my life. I don't think I can trust you with my family. I don't think I can trust you with my future. So I'm going to do whatever it takes me to get to where I want to be. Because every time I try to trust you with something, it looks like you tear it apart. Jesus, when I trust you with my relationships, you mess them up. When I trust you with my money, pastors mess my money up. When I trust you with everything I have, 
things get a little bit more complicated. So we carry a resentment towards God, a bitterness and an anger. But as well, when you start looking at that anger, you notice it points you to something we all struggle with, comparison. You did this for them. Why not me? What do I need to do for me to get what they have? God, all I have tried is to be a good person. I haven't slept around. I'm not messing around. I'm not being ridiculous. I show up to church. I say, I do all the good Christian things. Why? So our minds grows resentment. But because we, we kind of churchy people, so we don't call it that. We give it a lot of names. And sometimes, one of the names we give it that actually doesn't deserve is doubt. But for real, we doubt if God is good enough to care for us. I think God is good enough to Supply all your needs according to his riches. I'm not sure for all my needs according to his riches. So our relationship with God feels like we are always walking on eggshells. Like I, I probably have to say the right thing for this God to do the right thing towards me. I have to believe the right way for this God. So like there's a formula. So we chase our faith. Looking for a formula that would just be the perfect formula to make God happy so God can be the one that's working for us. So when we hear verses like Romans 8, 28, that God is working all things, we're like, no. What all things? What things? Nobody told me about things. Like we, we distrust God. Resentment. No, man, when, when you come to scripture, scripture just hits so hard sometimes. Hits so hard. And even invites me to say, if, if my love for God and for others carries resentment, I fail to enjoy that love. It's as simple as that. Because the love of God gives me freedom. The love of God gives me peace. The love of God gives me joy. The love of God gives me guidance. But when I resent God, I fail to enjoy the things God is able to give. And I don't know how to do it. So as we are thinking about where we are carrying resentment, I want us to know that this is what we know. That when we are resentful, resentment makes us careless or reckless. We just don't care about people. And a lot of us, we're in that place where we literally just don't care. As far as I'm fine, I just don't care what God wants. As far as I attend church, I just don't care 
I don't care about God. I don't care about my life. Now, that sounds a little bit far. But for a lot of us, we're walking around not caring about our bodies because of resentment. That resentment is so deeply rooted in our heart that we just don't care about what happens to us, what happens to other people. So I had an accident a few years ago. It was really bad, like really bad. I was driving from Area 49 going to ABC. We had a Bible study, me and my friends. So I went to pick up one of our friends that we were working together at ABC. So I picked her up together with her two daughters. Then I picked up my other friend, Dave, who was our accountant at ABC that time. We got in the car. We started going to ABC. And we're getting by in Syriza. There's a zebra crossing. And I remember stopping. Then I start pushing the car after people had passed. And some guy who was mentally ill gets on the road and just starts running towards our car. So it's at night. This is around 7. I see the guy. My reaction was like, let me miss him. But if you remember in 2010, the Area 49 road was not what we know now. So the moment I got off the road, tires on my left all go out. And the car just flipped. The people that saw it said five times, I don't remember anything. And this friend stopped by, picked us out of the car. It was messed up. And we were in the hospital. And we got out. But when I got out, I was still not well. My, my body was in pain and a lot of things. And I was just asking God, God, where were you, you know, when that happened? We were come, going to a Bible study. We were going to pray. We we're going to trust you. Come on, God, do it on a better day. Not, not this day. <laughs> no, do it on the day that I was by Buandilo, hanging out with my boys. We ate some nyama. Then we drank some stuff. We were going to repent after. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know what I mean. I was like, pick a better day, Lord. Come on. So it was painful because I've, I haven't erased the screams in that car from a mother and the two daughters. And that was in 2010. 2010. What am I saying? In that moment, I realized I was not in charge of my life. And that sucked. You know how that can lead you to surrender? That led me to defiance. I was like, God, why would you do that? I was not even speeding. So because of that resentment, that's where the famous Kali who was driving 160 came out. From that day, I decided you can have an accident when you are walking, when you're going at 10, or when you're going at 200. I'll just drive. Now, what made me to really get there was not just that event that happened. Because my first day to get back in a car, my mom had sent me to drop my little sister um, at her school. And it started raining a little bit. So that's like after two months, right? I get back in the car. I'm like, okay, I still remember how to drive this thing. 
And I'm on my way to Matindi, and it's raining, and some guy just decides to push his car and hit me. And I'm like, oh, that's the devil, one. <laughs> Two, God, what's up? Like, really, what's going on in heaven? You're like, forgotten your boy is here and doing some things. So in that moment, I just decided, you know what? I was not even driving fast. This was me getting back in a car. I was going like 50 or 60. So my thing was like, oh, now I know when you're going slow, you can cause accidents. Huh? I was going too slow. So I decided to just push the car. So I would push cars. And some of you have heard about my past. Like I would push cars. It's just like this car says it's 200. Let's test that. And it was toxic. But that came from a place where I chose to resent God. Because I was like, if you are caring enough, I'm going to test if you can keep me when I'm going at 180. You become reckless when you don't deal with your resentment. Because me driving 160 on the Malawian lords, that someone should just do a citizen arrest. Because I'm going to kill someone else's child on the road. You become reckless when you don't deal with your resentment. And a lot of us, where we are at, the carelessness that we're carrying is simply because we haven't dealt with the anger and the bitterness that we have continuously replayed in our heads. Resentment can make you reckless. For some of us, resentment has made us, man, that reminds me of us talking to Jesus. Just say, Daddy, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. That's a beautiful picture of us and God. Amen. We love children here. Resentment can make us obsessed. A lot of us are obsessed with people's approval. Now, Craig said it this way. If you live for people's approval, you'll die from their rejection. And a lot of us, because when we were kids, now there's this scripture, the Bible talks about parents do not provoke your children to anger. You know that? Remember that scripture? And a lot of us, our parents provoked us to anger. Come on, I'm talking to the church. And to an extent, it was just the goals they set for us. Just unachievable. And we spent our entire lives thinking we're not enough. But still wanting their approval. So we worked our lives out to achieve a dream they couldn't achieve. So that they say, yeah, I like my daughter. So we have fought our entire lives. To get approval. Some of us, because of our resentment from the broken relationships we have carried, we are dating carelessly, carelessly, because we can't find our identity in God. We can only find it in this girl or that dude. So we don't stop. We move from one unhealthy relationship to the other. Because our approval, who we are, will only find itself when someone says, I like you, I like your body, I like whatever they like as well. 
and we keep moving, we're obsessed by people's approval. We want people to look at us and go like, man, you're amazing, you're cool. So even the things we do are deliberate things to get people's what? Approval. People's approval. What am I saying? If you don't deal with your resentment, the consequences are plenty. You know that some of us, we've wanted to go this one path and we believe if we were just supported, would become so much. But our family was like, you know what, we know better, so can, can you go this way? And we felt like we suffocated all our lives. So actually our motivation is not love for things that we do. Our motivation has been an anger we have carried so that we could prove a point to people. <laughs> not the passion for the things we are doing. Not the love God has invited us to see why we need to do certain things. It's literally I want to prove a point to them because I'm angry that they can think that way about me. So we are driven by resentment. And to an extent, that's why some of us don't want to deal with it. Because if we take away that resentment, we no longer have any motivation. <laughs> and that's what we call bondage. Living in bondage. Don't know how to get out. That's become part of our lives. And my favorite. When we don't deal with our resentment, we become bullies. And some of you are really good at that. You are able to destroy people in just one tweet. Like that. Come on now. Just messages, just one Facebook post, you're able to destroy your family member. You're able to destroy someone. Because you're carrying so much anger, you don't see the human. You just see what causes you pain and what is wrong with them. If you don't deal with your resentment, if you don't surrender that resentment to God, it becomes toxic. Now, when you open scripture, scripture talks about how be angry but do not sin. I actually, I say, when you and me are angry at the injustices in the world, we become problem solvers. But for some of us, instead of looking at how do we practice anger, which I'm hoping we'll have time to talk about uh, next week. Like how do, do we carry ourselves in a world that is so broken? And how can we carry this righteous anger that we saw Jesus turning tables, becoming a DJ in a temple, you know what I mean? Like ten tableist. <laughs> Did you get that? Amen. <laughs> like what made Jesus so angry and righteous at the same time? How did he balance that? How did he live a life that he could be angry at the injustices? He could be angry at the mob about to kill this woman. At the same time, love that woman in a way that protects her. You know, a few weeks ago, a lady was undressed in a city. I actually believe with my heart, if Jesus was around, he would have protected that woman. You become bullies. I become a bully when I don't deal with my anger. 
because I try to live out my anger on the little small things that tickle me, that, that make me feel weird. So I walk around, if I find something online that I don't like, I'm taking all the anger I've carried as a 10-year boy. And I'm going to, oh, you're going to see what I can do to you. All I'm asking you is, if you have areas where you're carrying anger, I want you to invite Jesus there. Because you are so loved by God. That Jesus laid down his life for you while you were still a sinner. While you were still carrying resentment. While you didn't bring anything to the table for God to say, he's going to be a good kid. Jesus laid down his life for you. So all I'm asking you is I want you to be honest. Be honest in your bitterness. You cannot change if you're not honest. You won't confront unless you're honest. So I want you to recognize where you are bitter so that Jesus can deal with that bitterness. Yeah, that dude that broke your heart, that girl that broke your heart, I want you to visit that. I know this, is, this feels careless for me to say. But unless you visit and recognize that you are carrying a bitterness from there, you won't let Jesus heal that. And that's all I'm asking. Are you going to let Jesus deal with your bitterness? Because if you don't get to be honest with yourself, you won't take a healthy step. You won't take a healthy step. So the question can be, how do I navigate through the pain of bitterness? Bitterness is there because we feel like there's an injustice that has happened, right? When you read scripture, scripture invites you and me to believe in the justice of God. Unless you believe in the promise that God is just and will see the justice of his mercy through, you cannot surrender that. Because you want to take that on your own. You want to get that on your own. And I don't know, uh, you know, God's word in our generation feels like an option or a suggestion, not really truth. But unless you look at God's word as truth, or scripture is God-breathed and perfect, it will be really hard for you to believe in his promises. But for you to get out of that bitterness, you have to look at what he has said about his justice. Because I want to be angry with people when I feel like they're getting away with stuff. So in my mind, if you're going to get away, I want to do something about it. I want to show up and cause some pain to you. But when you open scripture, scripture is like, <laughs> wait a minute. Romans 12, 19. This is what the word of God says. It says, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is God's. Now that sounds like a brutal scripture. But for me, it allows me to feel free. Because it allows me to see that God sees everything. 
when we want to avenge, Avengers, <laughs> when we want to avenge, we are choosing to carry out justice according to our ways, not according to the mercy and kindness of God. Let me say that again. When I am trying to avenge, I have decided what I'm owed and how someone is going to repay. Now, if you remember a scripture that talks about this, the context of that scripture was a culture that people would just kill each other after they've been hurt. So that scripture ended up being the Lord saying, I for an eye. Now, when we hear it today, we go like, all right, I'm going to just chop their head off. But that's exactly what God was saying. Because someone would owe someone money, and someone would go like, you know what? I'm going to kill you. No, an eye for an eye. God was like, don't overcompensate for the injustices you are seeing. And when I look at my life, I always want to overcompensate. I don't want someone to feel the same pain I felt. I want to amp it up a little bit. Can, can I just feel a little bit more? And God was like, no, 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 an eye for an eye. I was like, okay, I'm going to translate that as I'm going to hurt you to, to the moment you bleed and to the moment that I feel like, ha, ha, that's good. And God was like, no, 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 no. Don't overcompensate for your pain. And a lot of us, we're in places where we're overcompensating, right? You know it. In my life, overcompensation looks like a kid has stolen a bike. We burned him. And this dude has stolen billions for our hospitals. We celebrate him. Like, what? Why? It's because we haven't dealt with a bunch of anger issues. Can I just follow a rabbit trail for two minutes? That, that works? I still got time. I mean, I love history. Malawi's history is brutal. The songs we used to sing when we were kids. Some of you, if you like, were born in the 2000s, you don't get it. It's just like, let me just put it on the table. Just like, what's, what's that? But we'd hear stories, stories of kids killing each other. Those were bedtime stories. A lot of death, a lot of brutal stuff. You guys know I'm saying the truth. So you couple it up with the culture of not committing. Now, a lot of us learned a few weeks ago that our culture is a consuming culture. We treat relationships as something we consume. So if someone doesn't fit for us, like the way we love upgrades, we're going to move on to the next upgrade. We're going to move on to another person. Well, when you look to God, God invites us to commitment. But the problem of being Malawian was that you didn't really see your dad committing. You didn't see your uncles committing. He didn't commit. Did he? Then we had the Teba season. You remember the Teba season? All these dudes went to South Africa to work on the mines in Zimbabwe. And we're like, eh, 
we can go home, but we can also stay here. And they stayed out. So a whole generation, then you are here. A lot of undealt stuff that we have psychologically gone through as a country. So even when it comes to now and the politics is a little bit complicated, we don't know how to commit. We don't. Then now, you haven't committed all your life and you come to flood and the pastor's like, yo, if you're going to love God and love your partner, you have to commit. You're like, no way. <laughs> that sounds good, but not good enough for me. What am I saying? There's a level of, I don't know if this is a word, a brutalness we have experienced. Because we have wanted to avenge for the things we didn't have. We've carried a resentment from the things we missed as kids. Now we're the ones running a country and there's a bunch of resentful people. So we hate that culture. We hate the Chewa. We hate the Ngones. We hate the Tumbukas. We hate the Lomwes. We hate everyone. It's like, where is that coming from? There's a deeply rooted resentment that we have carried as a country for a long time. That only Jesus can take us away from that. And you know, Jesus, eh, he works for some, he doesn't work for some, so eh. what am I saying? Unless you believe that God says in Micah 6, 8, he loves mercy and justice, and he wants you to live life from that place, you are not going to surrender your resentment. Can we go to the scriptures, please? So believe the promise of justice. Second Thessalonians 1, 6 says, Since indeed God considers it just to replay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance, on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to the next scripture, 1 Peter 2, 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you may not, you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. But when he was revealed, he did not reveal in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. What are we saying? Unless you believe that God is going to judge justly, you will take justice into your own hands. One last story. A few years ago, I was enduring it. Working with my mechanics, and I shared this story before some of you might remember it. And I just heard, Wakuba. So they saw a thief, they started chasing the thief. And they got in and they started beating him. So I'm there, I'm like, we haven't heard any story, we haven't heard anything, and these people are just beating this kid, like to the best of their ability. So they kept hitting this kid. And I asked my mechanics, I'm like, guys, you gotta stop that. And they're like, dude, if they caught him, that's his problem. 
I kept pushing them. Then they decided to go and grab the kid. So they grabbed the kid with now 40, 50 people around the kid trying to get his life out. And they brought him to where I was. And uh, he started to try to explain. But he couldn't because people would still hit him there. So I invited the chief, Makata. You guys know the Makata area. And the chief was there and started asking questions. Who saw this kid still? No one did. And someone showed up and goes like, hey, I know that kid. That kid is a mentally ill kid. And the moment people said that, it was like everyone vanished. Literally, I saw it with my eyes in Derendu. This kid that was almost about to lose his life for someone just calling him a thief was a mentally ill kid that would have been destroyed simply because other people were carrying a resentment and anger that we haven't dealt with to start asking questions when there's injustice. Because that's what my anger does. I don't care what they're going to say. I just want to cause pain without them explaining what's going on and what was going on and all these other things. And in that moment, I saw how life can just, can just go. And not when good men and women don't speak out in these levels of injustice. People get hurt. And you know you are hurt because good people did not speak. Because to an extent, it didn't concern them. They didn't have to because they were busy with other things. So you've carried a level of resentment in your life. But unless you trust God as the one that's going to act justly, you're not going to surrender to God. So I want you to know forgiveness is granted before it is felt. A lot of us are walking around not feeling able to forgive as if we have to feel before we forgive. It doesn't work that way. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And I'll never stop repeating. Jesus was not on the cross feeling like dying, feeling like forgiving you. Feeling like, feeling like, no, no, no. He had committed to come and die and lay down his life for you. Even when on the cross, you and me, there's this old hymn. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? You remember it? Yeah? If you're an old school hymn person, you got to learn that hymn, my brother. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And, 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 and says, I was there. I was in the crowd. I was the one saying, crucify him. I was the one saying, take him down. I was the one saying, all oh, these other things. What, what am I saying? That Jesus offered forgiveness to us. Not simply because he failed. But because he laid down his life. To give us a gift. That our activities cannot achieve. That's it. John Piper says this. Most of our bitterness and anger towards others. Is rooted in our inability. To be profoundly amazed at Christ's love for us in our sin. When I'm thinking about forgiveness, it's mostly about how I feel. And when I sit there, I don't want to give any forgiveness. But when I look at Jesus, I'm profoundly amazed 
by his kindness. I'm profoundly amazed by his grace. I'm profoundly amazed that God did not hold anything for me, but he sent his son to lay down his life for me. And that, that should be my motivation to forgive people. Because if I don't, I'm the one in bondage. They are home. They're not home thinking about how much they have hurt me. Some of them don't even remember. So forgive. And then get to the source. What do I mean? Your anger reveals the things you have made ultimate than Jesus. Your bitterness reveals your heart's disorientations. Your heart was built to orient itself towards God and loving God. The moment we disorient to love our reputation more than the way we love God, the moment we choose not to forgive because our reputation is above any other thing in our life. And some of you, the reason why you're holding to that pain because you have something that you love more than God that has been affected and you're trying to protect by being angry towards a person. So get to the source. Why are you carrying anger? What are you loving so much right now that your heart is filled with anger when you feel like someone is poking on that? Three things. What hurt is defining you? These are our next steps. What hurt are you letting define you right now? But you can't really call it that. But deep down you know that hurt is all you have. Jesus wants to be the one you truly and fully have. Not that hurt. I'm asking it this way. What struggle have you made your identity? I am a short-tempered person. I get angry quickly. Like, have you made that your identity when your identity is supposed to be Christ and your life, love for Christ? What do your kids know about you? Oh, dad is short-circuited. Oh, mom, this. Oh, my son just hits stuff and breaks stuff. What are you known for? What struggle are you letting identify you when Jesus wants to be all you identify by? Where do you need to see God's kindness? Because God is kind to you. That while you were a yet sinner, Jesus died for you. While you did not perform anything, Jesus laid down his life for you, man. If you don't get that, if you are not profoundly amazed by that, it would be hard for you to let go the things that are identifying you in your struggle with anger, in your struggle with bitterness. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for today. I pray that your kindness leads us to repentance. For the sake of your name, amen.